0: So the book of Judges, the title of the sermon today, if you want to take some notes in your bulletin there, uh, the unpredictable God, and that's what we see over and over and over and over and over in the book of Judges, and probably what you've seen over and over and over in your life as well. Uh, And honestly, it can sometimes be a little frustrating that God's so unpredictable, right? Well, not really, because I think we want him that way. And I think that, here's what I honestly think. If you and I would fully realize what is there for us in our potential, in our relationship with God, we would be ecstatic. But God views our relationship sometimes. He sees that we don't fully understand that or we don't fully uh, grasp how deep his love is and all of those things. And so sometimes he gets a little bored, I think. Oh, if he could just get it. So he's got to do unpredictable things. He's got to keep it fun, maybe for himself. So I think they're fun stories, and, um, but anyway, in all of this, God stages our life, getting us ready for neat things that begin to happen. All right, I'm just going to introduce this book to us a little bit today. I'm going to read from chapter three just to kind of give you an idea of the way things go, uh, but then I'm going to talk about a fella today, uh, just, it's actually just one sentence about this guy. And we're going to talk about him for a second because it sets the stage. But first let me read Judges 3 verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's the common refrain of the book. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. It's a common thread of the book. And probably a common thread in your life, right? We're all God forgetters to some degree. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Cusham Rishathaim, king of Aram Neharam, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. Now don't lose that. This is an oppressor, a foreign man who cares little about you, and he comes in and he oppresses you for eight years. This is no fun. Eight years, but when they cried out to the Lord, he raised them up for a deliverer, Othniel son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Who saved them? The spirit of the Lord came upon him, so that he became Israel's judge, and he went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. And so the land had peace for forty years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. All right, so this is the beginning of the book. This is right where all of the people of Israel have come into the the much-awaited promised land. So they're getting in, they're getting settled. Their situation, they're situating their houses, putting pictures up on the wall. Everything's great, the promised land. Yeah, we still got to make war with some of these Amorites and Canaanites and all these guys. That's no fun. But everything is sort of kind of settled down, and we're adjusting to life in the promised land. But what happens... We get a little comfortable, start to rely on ourselves, and we start eating a little too much food, and we're well fed, and we're lazy, and we forget about God, just like we read here. We forget about how much we need God. We forget that God has provided this promised land, brought us in, conquered the enemies. We just forget how good God is to us, and we get caught in our schedules, we get a little selfish. How can we climb the ladder a little bit more? And there God says, uh-oh, wait a second, you forgot about me. And so what happens? Something in life happens to get us to retrack, And God allows those things out of his love because he wants us to retrack, recalibrate, get back on the wagon with him. This is exactly what's happened here. Now, this story is what you would seem to think happen. all right? So the guy that rises up and saves Israel on this occasion is the nephew of Caleb. We remember, don't we, 10 spies that were bad and gave a bad report and said, oh, no, we can't go in the promised land. But there were two spies, Joshua and Caleb, that says, it's a great land. We can do it. We got to do it. God says we got to do it. So this is Caleb. Caleb. You would expect him to go in and lead the charge, and he did in the tribe of Judah, in the southern part of Israel. Conquered the giants, literally. Well, everybody forgets. Caleb, Joshua die, the founding fathers die, the ones that set everything up. So life is just like up to us now. Cut the strings to the parents, the warriors, the people with vision. They're all gone now. And it's the second generation that happens, and they forget because they had it so easy because mom and dad took care of everything, and they forgot about God. But it would make sense, though, that Caleb's nephew, he still got a little bit of that spirit in him, it would make sense that he would rise up. That's how you'd predict things to go. A relative of Caleb, Caleb sold it, uh saved us, and so everything was good for 40 years. Now what happens? Well, we forget about God again. Forty years is good. We don't have to worry about enemies. But then it happens again. There's a fellow named Ehud that rises up and saves them. We're going to save him for next week. We're going to kind of skip over him, and we're going to just introduce this other guy that introduces the way all of the judges are. So let me read this to you. Chapter 3, verse 31. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He, too, saved Israel. And that's all we get. That's all it says about him. If you're like me, (laughs) when you hear the name Shamgar, the first thing you think of, I'll show you this picture, Shamwow, Right? That fella, do you remember him? But wait, there's more. (laughs) Shamwow, right? The thing you need, and then you'll be happy. Anyway, that's what I think of. But that's not what the Israelites would think of. Let me tell you what they would think of when they hear the name Shamgar. First of all, he's our hero. He killed 600 Philistines all by himself. And so the oppressions the Philistines were putting on us gone. Don't have to worry about it anymore. We like this guy Shamgar, but there's a little something different about Shamgar, and this is exactly what they would think. It's this: Shamgar is not a Hebrew slash Israelite name. He's a foreigner. You remember the last guy that saved us was Caleb's nephew. We know Caleb. Everybody knows Caleb. He was one of our main men. And it would make sense that one of his nephews would save us. But now this guy? This guy? Shamgar? It's not a Hebrew name. I might not mean much to you and I, but it really makes the story. The unpredictable God uses an unpredictable person... To save his people. God saves his people by someone who wasn't one of his people. That's not the way we'd see it going down. And you think, okay, I understand the story. But this is good news for you, friend. Because this means that there's a potential out there that God would use you in all of your uniqueness. And over and over and over through the book of Judges, that's what we're going to see an unpredictable God using unpredictable people and things and situations and saving the day in an unpredictable way. Say amen. It's good, it is great. Let me illustrate it to you this way maybe you and I can look back at the founding fathers of our country, great men warriors, men of principle hey, they set up a nation they wrote all of our documents that are still living and alive and we're using them today we're using them far longer than any other nation in the history of the world has used their founding documents those guys were good they were good men that gave us what you and I get to enjoy today as a good country George Washington John Adams Thomas Jefferson Gilbert Meteor Marquis de Lafayette. You know him? His name doesn't fit, right? See, he's Shamgar. Marquis de Lafayette was a French aristocrat who log- logged on to the, to the American ideal, and he said, I want to be a part of that, and I want to I help them. So he gave up all of his riches in Paris... And he came to America to risk his life, be a general in the Revolutionary Army, Washington's right hand. He was a man of God, and he, was, and he stuck out as one of the generals. He was a great man. He went back to France, got money for America so he could continue to the war. He was great stuff. And then he went home back to France, and he was a pillar there. They wanted him to become the head of France, but he turned it down, didn't want it, just like George Washington, But the point is, you can talk George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, all of those guys, but Lafayette, you know he's a Frenchman, and you know (laughs) that he doesn't quite fit the story. That's Shamgar. That's Shamgar. You know his name is not American. His name is not Hebrew. And so what we see is Lafayette, a Frenchman, greatly helping Us, so even though he's a foreigner, we like Lafayette. He came back for a tour around the 22 states at the time, and everywhere he went, standing ovations and packed houses. That's Shamgar. You would think that one of our own would rise up, who has a heart to overcome the oppression that we're going on, but nobody in Israel was found to rise up. It was a foreigner. So with Shamgar, you have these four words. Listen to them. He too saved Israel. And all of Israel goes through a personality change by saying, oh no, God has been so good to us. His chosen people, and we forgot him And to teach a little lesson, he saves us by a foreigner. We're God's chosen people, right? But he has to choose somebody other than the chosen to save the chosen. Neat little reminder, huh? An unpredictable God. You know what? We are never going to figure God out, but there are two things that we can solidly rest on Number one, God has his own way of doing things. Let's just take that and let's just believe that. Number two, he chooses the foolish things to shame the wise. He's unpredictable. I'll read it to you. It's 1 Corinthians 1. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are according to the world so that no one may boast before him. That's good news for you and I. Because as I said at the top of the hour, we all messed up, aren't we? We all got our things. We all got our things that would maybe cause us to be despised or cause us to be lowly, chinks in the armor. We don't talk about them very much, but we all admit that we got them. Hey, this is a safe room. Let's just admit we got them, okay? And let's just praise God that he uses people like you and I, shamgars. He chose David's to slay giants. 12 ordinary, unschooled men to turn the world upside down. Babies born in majors to save the world. It's the way God does it. So, let me challenge you here. Bring your thinking in line with these facts about God. Sometimes it's a challenge because the road ahead, the steps tomorrow are unseen. And when we take a step, we don't know if it's solid ground or it doesn't feel like it's solid ground. But let's, with our faith and trust in him, just acknowledge this is the way God does it. And so let's try to normalize it a little bit. Let's try to find some comfort in the fact that God's unpredictable. And so when life is, we can be okay and we can keep our calm. Mostly, we can keep our trust in him. God reaches down with his strong arm and he lifts up those who are weak. Unpredictability, by necessity, contains some monotony. And so as you and I wait for God to lift us up, there's a little bit of boring stuff maybe. There's some trials and everything. But God is staging your life so that he can stun, stay, and slay you with a wonderful, unpredictable victory. Let him do it. Keep your faith in him. I can recall when I was a young minister, uh, I had heard that you could, as a minister, opt out of Social Security. That's a perk we get. (laughs) And you think, well, I don't even know if Social Security will be there when I get there, so maybe this is a good idea. So, I wanted to save that money each month, each paycheck, right? So... This is a funny story. It's not funny. It's just a unique story. I called the IRS, and I had the most remarkable, efficient, quick phone call you could ever. The customer service was great. I called the IRS. I told them what I wanted to do. They said, okay, let me transfer you. They transferred me right to a guy that talked with me in the most monotone, boring voice you could ever ask for. But he just walked me through in a quick three-minute phone call, took care of it all, and it was the easiest thing I had ever done. In the process of that phone call, he says to me, you know, this is retroactive, so you'll receive back all that you've paid in this year. You'll receive all of that back. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. And he says, you know, it's also retroactive three years Okay, so you'll receive back all that you've paid in the last three years. I said, okay, uh, are you serious? (laughs) First of all, so what do I need to do? Is there a bunch of paperwork I need to do? No, I've already entered it into the system. You'll receive a check. You'll receive three checks in less than three weeks. Okay, just as easy as that. And in three weeks, I received three checks totaling just under $10,000. Out of nowhere. When you call up the IRS, you're bracing yourself for a run around, not get anything done, 20 minutes wait, and then 40 minutes on the phone, right? And that's maybe getting what you want done. But this just happened at a young age when I was poor. It just went through. I knew it was God. And so I want to say to you, friend, God will do it too. He stages things, makes you wait, make things unpredictable. But he will show up with a shamgar and in a way that will stun you. He's got the whole world in his hands. we got to remember that. So structure your life around God's unpredictability. There are many promises in the Bible regarding what God will do and provide for ourselves. And it's as if God says to us, what I intend to do for you, uh, this is what you perhaps expect me to do. Now, you you can pin me down on what I'm going to do for you because that's what I promised you. But you're also going to try to pin me down as to the method that I do it. Because you... Love things to be manageable and predictable and stable. So I will alter, God says, the how in one place and I'll adjust it in another place and I'll find a totally different means in a third place so that all you can know and rest on is that I will do what I say. That's faith, friends. I'm talking sometimes the rip-your-heart-out faith that risks it all for God and just relies on Him. The faith that is able to overcome fear, leave it behind, just knowing that God provides and fulfills His promises. Shamgar, Ehud, and the list goes on and on and on. And he promises you and I, sometimes even in the midst of our behavior that really doesn't deserve any promises. He's good that way. Raising up a foreigner to save the chosen people, coming out of nowhere with grace and mercy for you and I to see yet once again that He's there, that He fully loves, that He's on our team, and that He knows what's best and wants what's best for us. So that's the challenge today. Adjust your thinking to the unpredictable God. Ultimately, ultimately, He'll do what he promises. Let's pray. God, I pray that you will just be with us as we go through these neat stories. Lord, help us to learn from them and help us to just change our lives and to change the way we think about you as we go through them. Lord, let us take the scriptures and and apply and implement and be changed. Lord, your love letter has allowed us to see more of who you are. I pray we use it to our advantage. Get to know you better. Understand this and in the process grow our faith. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.